Welcome to the Fantasy Formula Podcast with your hosts, Kyle Gullett, Riley Crum, and the missing in action man, Connor Murray. I am the man in the chair, Clay Smith. We're going to take it over to your hosts right now. Hello, I'm Riley Crum. And I'm Kyle Gullett. And today we're going to be talking about some draft strategy. However, this is not going to be draft strategy like you should take a running back first and you should be taking a kicker last. This is not for new people. This is for more veterans. This is for more people who've been playing for a few years. Yeah, we're uh, we're going to go into pretty detailed draft strategy, what we're really liking this year uh, in the early rounds, the mid rounds and the late rounds, what we usually do in our mock drafts and, you know, what we what we like to do, what we're what we think is the best strategy this year. Yeah. And what's what's formed our strategies in the past, because I think everyone should have their own um, way of going about drafts. They shouldn't just be reading them offline. So I think first we're going to start off with a question from Clay Smith. Question of the day. Very simple question. Men, it is. Who will have more wins this season, the Eagles or the Colts? So first things first, I'd like to ruin my entire argument by saying go Birds. I'm a big Eagles fan. So I think the Eagles last year, they were 9-7, and seven, and there's no way they should have been 9-7. and seven. Your MVP quarterback goes out halfway through the year, and he's not playing good in the beginning of the year anyways. Your whole team's riddled with injury, and somehow you're still 9-7. and seven. You still make it to the playoffs. You still win the first round albeit a wild kick off the bar, and you almost beat the Saints in the second round. No way they don't do better than last year. Carson Wentz is back, MVP season, in charge. You know, you're, you're all right, but uh, to be fair, I'm also a Colts fan. So, I mean, we're, this, is a great, <laughs> this is a great question for us to start out with since we have our teams going up against each other. And uh, I think we're both uh, big proponents of Carson Wentz this year. We both think he's going to have a big year, but I'm on the Andrew Luck MVP bandwagon. So <laughs> I think I think he's going to carry carry them this year. Now you mentioned their records last year. Colts were ten to six. Eagles were nine and seven. And this year, based on their opponents, their sixteen opponents this year, their win percentage from last season, the Colts have the seventh toughest schedule, and the Eagles have the twenty sixth toughest schedule. So the Eagles come out on top in terms of opponent strength this year. But thank you I'm for still, helping my argument. I'm still it. feeling the Colts this year. They started out slow last year. I believe we were one and five last year. Finished the season nine and one, and the only game we lost was just an awful week to the Jaguars. We should have been eleven and five. We should have won ten straight at the end of the season. Yeah, you so had a great second half of the season, and and I was surprised because you started off real slow. Yeah, so you know when we get hot, we get hot, and I think we're gonna get hot kind of early this year. Now it's gonna be tough. We have a few tough games at the beginning of the year. We start out with the Chargers. At the Chargers week one, at the Titans week two, Falcons week three at home, Raiders week three at home. That's a tough first five weeks. Then we have a bye. And I think if we can come out of that those five games with, you know, three or four wins, then we're gonna have a great a great second half of the year again. And, you know, we're just we're gonna finish with eleven, twelve wins. Yeah, but I mean, no, honestly, the Colts definitely the favorites from from all experts and um, analysis is coming out. Everyone loves the Colts this year, and and they are going to be really, really good. I would love to have taken this bet on uh, with anyone else. You know, if we're going to take this on with Connor, I take the Eagles over the Panthers any day of the week. <laughs> Colts, this is tough. You guys are going to be really good this year. I just think the Eagles are going to be even better than last. Well, they have to be better than last year, which is crazy because they were in the playoffs in the second round. So. I don't know. I just think that our entire offense has changed. We draft another offensive lineman, even though we already had a top offensive line in the NFL with 26 toughest strengths of schedule. So I just think, you know, there's nowhere nowhere to go but up, which is crazy to say about a Super Bowl champion two years ago. 
So you, you both rate Carson Wentz pretty highly. Is that what I'm picking up here? Yes. Oh, the highest. Yes. Uh, not the highest, but he's pretty high. I'm, I'm, I'm polar opposite. I think he's one of the most overrated quarterbacks in the NFL. Whoa. Every time I've watched Carson Wentz play, he's not played good. You were at my house watching the Super Bowl that we won. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just As if the Patriots are a good team? <laughs> uh, defending Super Bowl champ Patriots. <laughs> All right, well, I think we should cut it there. Clay, what do you think about the arguments? You know, you look at the schedules, and that's a big part. Mm -hmm. So the Eagles, they had a far easier schedule, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. They lost their best quarterback in Nick Foles, but (laughs) it makes sense, logically. So I'd have to agree. All right, that's fair. And last point, I just want to say that uh, the projected win totals for both these teams, the over-under is nine and a half. And I'm taking the over on both of those. That's fair. Yeah, I will also be taking the over on both of those. All right. So with the question out of the way, I think we can get into the meat of the episode. Yeah, the overall draft strategy. So one of the main things I wanted to talk about is how I have played fantasy football for like going on 12 years now. And honestly, I was really, really bad for the first like nine. Yeah, that's really really surprising because you're only 13. Yeah. I've been playing since I was like a little kid. Like in all honesty, my dad's been making fantasy teams for me and I did the drafts and you know, they were just terrible, of course. But then as I got older, I was still bad. I am solely reading what I see online. I'm solely mm-hmm. listening to podcasts and I'm taking that exact advice and I'm trying to cram it into my league and make it make sense. And that's just not how it works. But yeah. I'm <laughs> I was just going to say, I mean a lot of people do. They just listen to a podcast, they read an article, and they think this this is what I should do. They're they're completely right. But I'm not the biggest Matthew Barry fan. But with his 100 facts article he does every year, he does a great job of uh, demonstrating how facts can be misleading. People can twist facts, twist the st- statistics to tell whatever story they want them to tell, and it it's up to the the player. You're, it's up to you to you know actually discern what those mean. Yeah, that, that's a really big deal, but um, also I wanted to mention that I haven't listened to less things. I've actually listened to way more. I've increased my my the things that I intake now by fantasy football a lot since then. However, now I filter it through my lens, and I think that's super important to make sure that you are wearing your glasses when you do it. Don't just read it and take that word for word. You've got to filter it through what you believe about the player, and that's what the first thing I want to talk about is talent versus opportunity. And last year, a big player that everyone was talking about, and everyone had him in their top 20. I don't say everybody, but he was a consensus top 25 uh, running back last year, easily Alex Collins. He was top 20 running back probably. Mm-hmm. And, and me and Kyle hated him because no matter how good his opportunity was, he just wasn't that good. And it just – I think there has to be a companionship. There has to be um, both of them at once to be great. Because if you look at the top 10 players – Every single one of them has an incredible opportunity coupled with incredible talent. And I'm not saying there's just 10 running backs. I know, Kyle, you have a 10 that you just 
desire more than anything else. However, <laughs> yeah. there there are more than that. However, you can kind of decipher what goes into what when you see someone who you believe has a lot of talent but who doesn't have a great opportunity, you still might want to stash them on your bench at some point because as soon as someone that talent comes out, then you might have a top 15, top 20 running back or receiver. And that's that's game changer. That's where you win your draft is where is when you draft the Philip Lindsay in the eighth round or pick him up in the first mm-hmm. first round. That's that's when you win. Yeah, and in a similar situation last year, uh, someone that that I also didn't like last year was Royce Freeman. Uh, you know, I had a lot of misses last year, but one of the ones I did hit on was was also Royce Freeman and Your Alex Collins. Hit. Yeah, and uh, it was just I didn't see at the point he is in his career, I didn't see him as a workhorse back. I saw thought there was no way he was going to be able to you know carry the ball, you know, twelve to fifteen times a game, get three or four catches a game. You know, I just didn't see it happening. Yeah, no, that was definitely by far your best call. That was a good one. <laughs> uh, my best call is definitely Kenyon Drake. Um, last year, didn't see it from him. Um, just didn't see him filling that opportunity he had with the Adam Gase offense. But um, I love Kenyon Drake. I know, and I'm changing my tide there. Um, two year, we, two. That year was first, that was our so. biggest disagreement last year was Kenyon Drake. Yeah, and and I want to take my trophy for winning that argument. And I'm going to put it up on my wall, and then I think I'm going to join you, so I don't. We don't have to keep playing this game. I, I mean, I'm, I'm just going to say I had him ranked 18th last year, and I'm pretty sure he finished 17th. And I'm pretty sure you were spot on, but yeah, I'm definitely going to put my trophy up on the wall and just join you because um, I, I I don't know. I kind of see it. I see it now more than last year. I still like Kalen Balage, you know, your favorite player in the NFL. <laughs> just, I, I I have but given, I, given him a nickname. Uh, Kalen Garbage, and it's not because I don't like him as a player. It's just because I want Kenyon Drake to win. I want Kenyon Drake to get all the carries. Yeah, you're definitely not putting your emotion in this at all, for sure. Like this is definitely uh, not. What at the doing. same time, I don't. I'm not gonna say that he's gonna get 200 carries. I don't think that at all. I just think he's good enough to do well with the opportunity he has. And I'm gonna move on for Kenyon Drake. <laughs> My point, uh, next point of overall draft strategy is don't buy into trends. Don't buy into runs on positions in your draft. And a good example of this, of this is in home leagues, a lot of the times, quarterbacks go early. And I know everybody talks about this. All the analysts talk about this. But if you see five quarterbacks go off the board in the first three rounds, or if you see five quarterbacks go in a row in the fifth round, that doesn't mean you have to take a quarterback in the sixth round. It doesn't make you, mean you have to take a quarterback early. You can take advantage of that if Five quarterbacks go off in the first three rounds. That means there's five players that should have been picked that are going to be available when you're up. And you need to take advantage of that. And not necessarily zig when everyone else zags, but just you know take advantage of inconsistencies in rankings and what actually happens. I actually love this strategy. This is where I think I come out on top in a lot of drafts is the third, fourth, fifth round when people are jumping on quarterbacks because they see someone else. Like Patrick Mahomes goes, and then immediately after someone takes you know, Aaron Rodgers, and then uh, someone else feels like they have to take Deshaun Watson. I love when that happens because there's so much talent in the third, fourth, and fifth round that people are skipping out on. If you can get Cooper Cup and you're getting these people in the third, fourth, and fifth round because other people are just skipping over them, it's crazy. And then you can just scoop up so much talent, third, fourth, fifth round. This is where I think I come out on top a lot. And so I love that you wanted to hit on this. Um, yeah, it's it's really a big – I mean, quarterbacks are a big thing that we talk about a lot, and I know everyone talks about it. But last season in my main redraft, main redraft league, I won the championship streaming quarterbacks the entire year. 
Yeah, and as you should. I don't understand the big – I don't know. I just think you lose when you do that. But not even quarterbacks. I like the way you worded this on trends, not just quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Because my next point was definitely talking about team construction and how I don't force team construction. Mm-hmm. I'm not – dead set on okay i need i have three running backs this means i have to take another receiver so i even it out i could care less i'm going to draft on talent every single time this is one of the main reasons why in the first round i am dead set on taking a running back because that frees me up later because running backs are harder to find later and you sometimes Mm -hmm. have to stretch if you wait but if you take that first running back and he's a stud and you've got a workhorse you don't have to worry about him he's a set and forget it every week now third fourth fifth round i can just keep taking receivers if i feel like i need to if if the best running back available is Lamar Miller, but I could also get like Alshon Jeffrey or something, I'm going to pass up. I'm not. I don't have to take him now, and I'm not worried about that. Team construction to me is definitely not the most important. I know an anecdote to that was last year in our dynasty league. I had nine wide receivers on my team after the draft, and we had a nine limit. And I was very upset that I was not allowed to take a 10th wide receiver, even though I only had like four running backs. Because it didn't matter to me. There was better receivers on the board. I can trade. I can stream. I can figure it out. Team construction later. I'm most worried about having the highest amount of good players as I possibly can on my team at once. And the, that limit wasn't oversight on my part, by the way. I'm the commissioner of that league. I did not mean for that to happen. Uh, <laughs> I was, was definitely <laughs> shocked when it just said I couldn't draft like Sammy Watkins. I was really mad about it. Uh, now, I, I'm going to touch on team construction as well, but not in the positional term. I wanted to talk about risk and safety. So a lot of people will talk about risky players and safe players. And, you know, I honestly lean more towards risky players. Uh but I also, but it's, it's important to keep a balance between risk and safety. So last year, um, if I took a risky play in the first round, I mean, I can't take an example, but you know, I would grab Jarvis Landry uh, this year an example later on. Would be, would be uh, if you risky play in the first round, Todd Gurley. If you want to stretch yeah. and take him, I'm I'm a big fan of Todd Gurley this year at the price. I would love to get him where he's going currently in drafts. Yeah, middle second round, that's crazy. Yeah, I would love taking him. He's actually one of the ten running backs that you mentioned earlier. He's one of my ten that I want to get. I want to get one of those guys, maybe two. And, you know, he's, he's one of those guys that I could get in the second round. So I love going risk early uh, and then balancing that out with safety later. Yeah, definitely. I, I love that a lot. You want to jump into the early rounds? Let's do it. You start off. Yeah, sure. I'll start off. Here. And it goes back to those, those running backs. We all know that elite running backs are more valuable than elite wide receivers almost every year. Second Barkley last year it was much more valuable than DeAndre Hopkins he was more valuable than the first uh, receiver. He's all, they, The number one running back is almost always more valuable than the number one receiver. And there's 10 running backs on my board that I can see being top three or number one. And I want to get one of those guys no matter what. And so my first round is almost always running back. In my top 25, we're going to do a top 25 uh, rankings episode soon. And my top eight are all running backs. And 10 of my first like 12 are running backs. Because I always get one of those running backs. And following that up, just because I got a running back first round, doesn't mean I always get wide receiver second round. It's it's a balance. I mostly go best player available after that. You know, I might end up with, you know, Todd Gurley at pick 12. And then I'll get Julio, you know, at the turn. It's just whatever ha- whatever the best player available is, I'm going to grab it after I get one of those 10 running backs. Yeah, those, those 10. I, I would... Um... I don't know who your number 10 is, but Joe Mixon is so important to me. And he's so important that if I'm at the end of the first round, then 
I am literally headhunting him or Devonta Freeman, mainly Joe Mixon. Like he is a deadlock top ten player because um, he's just I just see so much talent in him. So if I'm in the beginning of the first round. I'm always looking, you know, just for one of the best players available. But if I'm at the back end, I'm super cool with grabbing Joe Mixon and then Julio or, um, yeah, Michael Thomas. One of those people every single time. I love that, the the wide receiver running back comp. But that's the only time that I'm taking a wide receiver in the first round is if I'm at the very, very end. I, I never stretch. As much as I love DeAndre Hopkins, unless maybe I'm Dynasty or something, maybe. <clears throat> I'm not. I'm not drafting wide receiver in the first round. Just running backs are just way too important. Just like you said, the top ten you have is just way too important. And for reference, Mixon is right now going at pick 112 in half PPR league. So last pick of the first round, he's right there. Yeah, and that's a, that's a you steal. mentioned uh, Devonta Freeman, who I also have a lot higher than consensus. Uh, he's currently going at 307. So you know, mid late. Third round, you can even get Devonta Freeman, and we both think he has running back one upside. This is just crazy to me that those are see in the third round, seventh pick, and someone's taking quarterbacks instead of him. Mind blowing, absolutely <laughs> like no yeah, way. He's, he's going two picks ahead of Pat Mahomes in half PPR leagues, and you know that's another at the if you pick first or real early in the first round, uh, when you come back around, Devonta Freeman might be there for you, and I always get him if he's in that spot. Uh, now, I think we should probably move on to the middle rounds, uh, which middle rounds are, they're really volatile, depending on the draft you're in. If there is a trend, a run on tight ends, a run on quarterbacks, uh, you know, don't follow unless, you know, there's uh, 10 teams that already have a quarterback or 10 teams that already have a tight end, mostly tight end because it's not as deep of a position. Uh, if someone, if teams already have 10 tight ends, then I'll probably grab uh, a Delaney Walker, Vance McDonald's in the middle rounds just to fill that position. But other than that, I, I get a ton of running backs in the middle rounds. I'm not the same. Um, a lot of receivers here and late round um, running backs. If I feel like they're falling to me, um, if somehow David Montgomery or Phil Lindsay falls down a few rounds, I love to pick him, pick them up, someone like that. But I'm not, I'm just not a fan of getting a running back that could possibly maybe do this. I like the breakout running back. So if I could get a rookie that I feel like could break out this year, a Damian Harris or someone like that in the middle rounds, um, not Damian Harris specifically, because I'd much rather he get him in the very end. But if someone like that, that's the only running backs I'm looking at. More. Yeah. Well, my, what happens to me is running back is obviously a much shallower position than wide receiver. And, the mid-rounds are the last chance you're going to have at getting a guy with an easy path to workload, in my opinion. Obviously, there's going to be breakouts, late rounds that you can grab that will. There are going to be guys that you know come out of nowhere and get work. But, for instance, Miles Sanders, Jordan Howard, they're both going to the end of the seventh round. Uh, I would love to get one of those guys. Both of them have a good chance at having workload, making them playable. Um, Lamar Miller, 605. In the sixth round, you can get a starting running back. He's one of my favorite picks this year, value picks this year in the middle rounds because he's one of the last guys that you can get who is the unquestioned starter. He's un, he's going to get the workload unless something unless something crazy happens. I I think he's going to get the workload and he's going to be playable in flex if you if you need him on a week by week basis. That's fair. That's fair. I do. I, I'm I'm just such a big fan of breakout wide receivers 
it's hard for me to pass up on on Dante Pettis, Robbie Anderson, Tyler Boyd, straight round DJ Moore, all of those, and just like a few rounds. That's just crazy to me. But I definitely get what you're saying on trying to make sure that you get the last available running backs, starting running backs you can get. Mm-hmm. And Miles Sanders excites me a lot. People like that. I like the exciting running back there because the first few rounds I draft so running back heavy that I like to not worry about it by the end. I like mm-hmm. to take it if I have to, and otherwise, no. I, this is where I like to just take the best available player because I feel like I can fill out my wide receiver so well in this mm-hmm. point of the draft. Well, in, in the past, my strategy has usually been to try to get one elite running back and one elite wide receiver, and it's not as much this year. I'm I'm, I'm more focused on getting that running back and then see where it, ha- where, where it goes after that. But no matter what my strategy is, I almost always get three or four running backs in the middle rounds. That's fair. And in the late rounds, we're both wide receiver heavy. This is, there's, mm-hmm. there's, there's no running backs available at this point. This is where you should be able to get like Daryl Henderson or someone, but his stock has gone up so much that he's all the way in like the eighth round now. So that's not even possible. So really there's hardly any, I mean, you're taking a flyer no matter what, I mean, you're taking a flyer no matter what on any player, but a wide receiver's chance of breaking out since there are three or four on a team that can function at once is so much higher than a running back. Um, I'm fine with taking a flyer on running back, but I'm super cool. Like, uh, I, I'm fine with my team roster construction being one to two ratio on running backs to receivers, like having double the amount of receivers on my team at this point. Super cool with that. Um, I, I like running backs more, of course, but I know it sounds like all I've talked about is how much I'd rather draft running wide receivers, but <laughs> it's just because there's just such a finite amount of running backs that I don't like stretching. I hate stretching for a running back. Yeah, we, we both, by the time we get to like the 8th to 10th round, we both already are pretty full of running backs. We like to get them early. We want to get people that have a chance of being a starter from the get-go. Because the guys that are that get the starter, the starting job, you know, five, six weeks <clears throat> into the season, they're not going to be on teams at that point. If, if you draft a running back in the last round and you hold him for five weeks without him getting a touch, uh, I think that's a waste of a position on your bench definitely a waste um another thing i'd like to say is if you draft somebody in the last few rounds and you drop them first week that is not a failure that that is not a failure at all this is exactly what you want you in my last few rounds last four or five rounds honestly i'm looking to to draft people who have such high upside and such low floors that's what i want i want a player that could be a top 15 player but could also never see the field. Like that's fine, and I could dra- I could drop them first round, first week, and I will not feel bad about it at all. Yeah, one guy that I've been uh, liking a lot lately is Duke Johnson. He's currently going at the beginning of the fourteenth round, and th- this guy's been a running back two or better more than one year, and he's going in the fourteenth round. He's demanded a trade because he wants to get out of Cleveland. Their backfield is is too crowded for him to get a lot of work. And if he goes to a team that that really uses him the way that he can be used, then he's going to be playable. He's going to be a flex. He's going to be an RB two on some teams, and he's going to be useful. I love getting him. I'll you know you can keep him on your bench if he doesn't get traded by week one, week two, drop him, and no harm done. Yep. Um, is there any other players you like in the last like three rounds? Because there's a few that uh, actually that I would jump on running backs actually that I would jump on. Uh, I mean more wide receivers. I like James Washington more than Dante Moncrief. Moncrief's been getting a lot of hype lately and moving up. I still think James Washington's better. Uh, Anthony Anthony Miller is one guy in Chicago. If uh, Trubisky gets it together, I can see him 
being pretty good. Uh, I think we both like Deshaun Hamilton. Yeah, Deshaun Hamilton's uh, good. And it, it does depend on Emmanuel Sanders' health, but uh, I think he's a, he's a pretty good player, and he could definitely be useful if he gets the opportunity. Now, yeah. Speaking of uh, Emmanuel Sanders here, I just got a notification on my phone from Sleeperbot. And of course, that's what we use for fantasy. It said Emmanuel Sanders looks as explosive as ever. I mean, if he's if he's going full blast, I mean he's he's dead. Yeah, he was he was in he was having a great year last year until he got hurt, and he's currently going in the eleventh round. That's another guy that you can definitely get a value on if he's healthy. He's going to way outperform eleventh round value. I got a guy for you guys that you guys might hate that I'm going to say this because I live and die by this man. His name is Will Lutz. <laughs> he, he is a kicker. He's the best kicker in the league. Don't have me. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to go too much into kickers. It's definitely one of those opportunity things where he's just playing for the, one of the best offenses in the history of football. So, yeah, he's always going to be viable. I mean, he is good, going as well, a fifth kicker off the board right now. A good anecdote about that is Sleeper Bot for one week glitched on me. So it said Will Lutz had over 50 points. <laughs> that did happen. I was with you, and it was amazing. It was amazing. His point total just kept rising and kept rising. So he's a cult classic for me. But some of the players that I liked in the end here, um, Tyrell Williams, 14, 10. He's completely free. You just grab him. And I could see him easily being the number two receiver behind Antonio Brown. Um, and I have projected Derek Carr taking a step up this year. So I, I think, I mean, he was an MVP candidate a few years ago. And I know there were some extenuating circumstances that got him there, but I think that that can be repeated. It's possible that we could see Tyrell Williams um, be viable. Um, Malcolm Brown, you could get the backup to Todd Gurley. Everyone's taking Daryl Henderson so early, but honestly, there's no guarantee that he's the starter. Um, there's a lot of coach speak going on about how Daryl Henderson's the greatest player of all time, but we'll see how, how it really works out. Not that I'm doubting Daryl Henderson, but I'm just saying for free, you could get Malcolm Brown. You can get Chris Thompson. And you can get, uh, there was one other one. I know you like Debo Samuel. These are all free players. Kalen Balazs, completely free in the 14th round. It's just crazy to me um, that you can get, these are the players that I'm looking at. I know I just named a bunch of running backs, but those are the players I'm looking for, players who I could drop first round or or could start the entire second half of the season on my team. That's that's crazy that I could just get those people for free. And I'm yes. always for boomer bus. Speaking of backup running backs, can't think of his name. Fournette's backup for the Jaguar. I mean, he's, he's one of those guys, Fournette. A lot of health issues. Yeah, oh, you're talking about this year. This year, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. TJ Yeldon isn't there anymore. Well, whoever the backup is, it's a viable option. Yeah, whoever's whoever's always looking for injury prone starters, their backup's just always Alfred, a good Alfred team. Blue, of course. He's oh, always <laughs> Oh, Alfred Blue. My least favorite player I've ever watched <laughs> in my entire life. I'm gonna take back what I said just then I'll go back and cower in the corner. <laughs> looking back over what we talked about, we're huge on the top running backs this year there's 10 running backs that i always want to get one of and then it's mostly best player available from then on and i love to get running backs in the middle rounds and finish up with wide receivers yeah the only other thing that i would like to mention is the tier based drafting which i do a lot of um i like to and this doesn't take a lot of work honestly it's mostly visual i'll pull up my rankings now however i used to pull up someone else's rankings and then i would go through and kind of visualize tiers and what I think 
players perform lock. Like if I went from the one running back all the way down, like six more running backs, and I would say this is the same tier for me. And that helped me a lot visualize because when I'm in the draft, I'm like, okay, I'm at the bottom of a tier. I should go ahead and take it so I don't drop down to the next tier in the next round. Mm-hmm. And and that makes it easier on me. And I know that's a pretty common way to do it, but I wanted to at least mention it because I think it deserves some love. Well, I mean, that's a. I think we can go into that a little bit on how how we do rank players. Like, what is our process of ranking players? Because a lot of people will discuss it. Whether some people rank based on where they think people will finish at the end of the year. Uh, some people will rank based on how they would like exactly how they would draft, and some people base it on what kind of value they're getting out of the position. Yeah, that's fair. And I know that you mentioned that uh, why you like Travis Kelsey so much is your value-based system, which I like. Like, Yeah, I love Travis Kelsey this year. I think uh, all of us do. He's yeah. pretty high in all of our top 25 rankings, and it's just because of the value you can get. If you look at the value of him versus the number 12 tight end and then compare it to running backs and wide receivers, they're number one versus number 12. It's, it's crazy how much more uh, valuable Kelsey is in the number one uh, players at those positions. Yeah, I know we were talking about um, how scary it would be if you're starting David and Joku and you have to go against Travis Kelsey one week. Like, you know that you're going to be 15 points down at the tight end position, which is just hilarious to me. I mean, that, that's a that's a big drop off, a 15 point drop off at least every week. It's, it's wild because he could be a top 10 receiver. This year, yeah, like, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure last season in half PPR, he would have been the number eight wide receiver. That That's insane. And this year, he even has a much higher chance of doing it because he will be the number one target on his team. Like, there's no doubt he will be the number one target on his team. Not just any team, but the Chiefs, mm-hmm. who I think you you also, we, we both have projected to do less than last year. But less for in the In terms Chiefs, of scoring, definitely. Yes, but less for the Chiefs is still one of the best in the NFL, if not the best in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, Mahomes led the league in passing touchdowns by like 16. <laughs> it was something stupid. They averaged yeah. like 35 points a game last year. Now, I don't think that's sustainable, but them being the number one offense uh, in the league in this year, I wouldn't bat an eye at it. Yeah, and, and also we're both assuming that Tyreek Hill is going to get a big suspension, if not cut, from the team. Um so that that's taking that into an account. But even if he does, let's say somehow he avoids all, which we're not going to get in on that, but into that. But even if he avoids all suspensions and stays in the team, still Travis Kelsey is going to be, I think, if not better than last year, just as good, which, like you said, is just such a big drop off from the rest of the tight ends. Yeah, I mentioned earlier, you know, my, some of my favorite tight end targets this year are Delaney Walker and Vance McDonald's. And if I have one of those guys, the week that I go up against Travis Kelsey, I'm shaking. I'm shaking in my boots. Not happy about it. Not happy about it at all. But I also, I am a last-round tight end drafter. Last uh, last few rounds, tight end quarterback drafter. Unless I feel like I can get a steal on O.J. Howard or Evan Ingram, I am a last-round. Well, I always have been. This year might be different because there's a lot of extenuating circumstances with tight ends this year that are different than usual. However, always I have been because I just – to me, it just seems like I'd rather have the receivers and running backs at that time. Um, the depth for me seems more important than a because tight ends are just so so dynamic. Like you never know what you're going to get from them, anyways. Mm-hmm. So I'm always fine with the late draft if I can get Mark Andrews the very last round, and he can get me, you know, 
eight to 15 points every week. That's fine with me. That'll at least keep me in the game. And I'll just stream tight end and quarterback. It's fine. As long as I yeah. have the depth at other the more important positions. I agree completely. So, yeah, I, I love going on value-based drafting. It's whatever value you think you're going to get comparative to the rest of the position is how I do it. Because speaking of quarterback, that's why quarterbacks always go so late is the value is not as high. All the quarterbacks score a lot of points. All the quarterbacks are going to be, you know, near 300 points. Uh, I mean, Mahomes last year was stupid, but usually the, you know, 1 to 12 quarterback scoring isn't that different. And it's really not going to bring you as much value as the rest of the skill positions will. Yeah, that's fair. And I also do tier base. We love tier base drafting, tier base ranking here. It, it makes so much more sense. It's easier to draft. Yeah, tier base should just be everyone should at least do some tier base drafting. For me, it's just visual. Sometimes I'll go in and, well, now that I'm in my own rankings, I have my own. So I have my own tiers set out. I know you do as well. However, used to, it was just a visual thing for me. I would print out someone's rankings and I would just go through before the draft and map it out. The, the reason we're making this podcast is so you don't have to spend hours and hours and hours yourself doing it. This is just something you need to think about before the draft happens so you can kind of map it out. And this just shows how we think and how we experience expedite the process how we make it a little bit faster for us so we're not spending all the time even though we love spending all the time on fantasy football <laughs> we want to try to give our family and someone else some time here and there i just want to mention uh it's, it's important to get both sides of the story on players instead of just having one podcast where everybody loves a player and another podcast where everybody hates them uh this is definitely the podcast that we're going to agree together on all the other podcasts i'm sure we're going to disagree on everything because it seems like we've very different opinions on all kinds of all kinds of things, which I love. I love having different different opinions. I love going back and forth with you. That's what makes it so much fun to me. Yeah, I completely agree, and and that's what our plan is in the future. We're going to bring you both sides to arguments, and we're going Clay's going to help us decide who has a better argument, who he thinks is correct, and you can decide on your own who you think is correct. Yeah, I I just think that this is, gives us a good platform to kind of show the conversations that we've been having in private for years. So I'm really, really excited for all the things hopefully we can do. So i got a question for you. All right. Uh, this is kind of a serious topic. We don't need to get into details about the political part of it, but <laughs> oh no, a lot of players in the NFL are getting suspended. How do you go about that with good players like you know Ezekiel Elliott a couple seasons or last season ago? Do you take the risk on those like Kareem Hunt? Do you take the risk on drafting those players late on, or do you just leave them on the board? You know? So I want to talk about Kyle for a second real fast, then I'll let Kyle go. Last year, I think Kyle had Mark Ingram in every single league he was in. I'm pretty I sure. Yeah. I did. So I think that answers Kyle's question, but I want to hear his point of view. Well, on it. I mean, it, it's tough to answer because in, in the what we are looking at currently with Tyreek Hill, with Kareem Hunt, it's, it's hard to separate that from your view of them as a fantasy player. And I, I know we don't want to talk about this too much. We don't really uh, discuss the what actually happened. Uh, between, amongst each other, but uh, if if you can't really separate that from the player, then just don't draft them. It, it's a plat. This is a platform for fun, and whatever makes it fun for you, do what you think is going to make you the happiest and what's going to make you have the most fun. And last year, I just thought Mark Ingram was a great value, and I thought he was going to tear up the league, and he did. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely a good distinction to make because there are a lot of times when you see a player and, like you said, we're not going to bring up specifics. However, there's times you see it and you're like, I just don't want to have him on my team. 
like I don't want that attached to me and I don't want to have to look at it every week. And like you said, this is just for fun. Like don't don't put Tyree Kill on your team just because of of value and talent if you don't want to. Like I know last year I think it was LaShawn McCoy you said you refused to draft. Like you just didn't want to have him on your team. Like you weren't going to have him on your team. Mm-hmm. And that's fair. I think this year we're kind of going into the same mindset. It just it just doesn't seem like it's worth it. You know, I always like to have one Eagles player on my team. I don't like to force it, but I know last year I traded for Carson Wentz in our dynasty league because I want to enjoy fantasy football. Mm-hmm. I want I have I have DeAndre Hopkins on my team who is like one of my favorite players now after playing Dynasty, and I just don't see myself parting with him because I like going to my team and seeing him every week. Like I love having that DeAndre Hopkins there, and that's because I enjoy it. So I think going back to Clay's question, if it takes away from that at all, if it's the boom mic coming in on the movie screen that kind of takes you out of the feeling of of being in the movie, then just take it out. Don't worry about it. Just take it's out Tyreek Hill. That's a good kill. analogy. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, don't I don't think I'm going to have any share of the Tyreek Hill this year just based on the fact that I don't want to deal with it. But if you if you want, if you think you're going to get your value out of it, go for it. Have fun. Yeah. If you feel like it, then that's fine. I don't think too many people are going to judge you. And no. it'll be fine because this is fantasy football. This is fake football. This is not the real thing. You're not attached to that player whatsoever. This is just how you feel, how you're going about it. Good answers. I wasn't expecting those answers at all, to be honest. <laughs> I was thinking more along the lines of, is it worth it to have somebody that's suspended, that's not getting points on your bench, that you know will come in, like Mark Ingram did, and eventually get you good points? In terms of scoring, yeah, probably. I mean, at a point last year, I thought Ingram, he was only missing two games, and he had shown before that he was a, a great option on that offense, so two weeks isn't too hard. Now, four weeks, if you get into four weeks, six weeks, it's tougher because if you take an earlier round to pick those players, then that means you have one less usable player in your team. And if you start out two and four, one and five, it's going to be tough to to come back and make the playoffs, even if that player comes back and tears it up. Yeah. I had Ingram in the Dynasty League and used him as like a, a trade pawn mm-hmm. because he was going to be suspended for those few games. But he's yeah. a good player, so. I think that also it just depends on how good the players, like you guys are both saying. If you know that you're going to get a top 10 running back, or like Kyle believed at least, a top 10 running back in the third game, then it was totally worth it. But mm-hmm. I would like to ask you, Kyle, what if I tell you that you're getting a top 10 running back for sure, for sure, but you don't get until the seventh week? Are you cool with keeping him on your team? Where am I? What, what draft pick do I have to give up, give up to get him? What round? Eighth round. Yeah, I'll do it. So you you'd hold him for six weeks, yep. not be able to play him, yep. but you know you're getting top ten in this. In this. That's fair. Um, the way I think about so like a player that I thought of during this was Devin Singletary. I know he's not suspended, and I'm not going to put any any dirt on his name at all. <laughs> but I, I I'm looking at him as a player that like, okay, how. Uh, we do a fab bidding system, which I think everyone should do. It's just better. It's just so much better, the auction system for um, waivers. Waiver. Yeah. It's just much better than waivers. Um, I like to look at people like Devin Singletary and think, how much fab is he worth to me? Because, and I like to do this at the beginning. I like to watch his, some rookie film, and I like to decide, I think, how much he's going to be worth. Because if he's worth 30 or $40 fab in a $100 system to me, which I don't think he is. It's just me kind of making up hypothesis here um if he is worth that much then i'll probably keep him on my bench because if he doesn't become viable until week six i don't want to spend that much when he does become viable because i'm gonna you have to be a week late to these things unless there's a a clear injury 
and he just has a breakout, then I don't want to be in a bidding war with everybody else and lose all of my fab for him. So I might want to keep him on my bench. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, a, a good example is probably Chris Herndon. He was a, a big sleeper tight end for a lot of people this year. But whenever he got that four-game suspension, he dropped off all draft boards and nobody should draft him anymore because it's just not worth holding a possible decent tight end for four weeks, five weeks. It's just it's just not worth it. Yeah, you can just – you. but in his case, you'd pick him up for 10 fab, you know, five, six, 10 fab. So it's not, not – if you're doing the fab system, if not, you're playing the waiver game unless you just want to try to pick him up. Mate, you could even possibly pick him up week three or something if you know it's going to be a four-week suspension. So you just have to hold him for a week. You could do that if you're really desperate for a tight end. But, yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, well, that, well that's what I have to say about the matter. <laughs> <laughs> Good to know. I think that I think that's going to do it for us. First ever before, podcast. Uh, for the before we wrap this up, I got a fact check. You know how on ESPN shows, at the end, they do a little fact check action. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get Riley here. I was bad talking Carson Wentz, and you brought up the Super Bowl that we watched. The quarterback played great in that game. <laughs> he won the MVP, and it was Nick Foles. <laughs> it was uh, not Carson Wentz. That, that wouldn't be caught too quickly, but of course it was. You're right. You're right. I, to, I didn't say anything because I'm like, you're the Eagles fan. I'll yep, look yeah. it up. Yep. Sure. What, an, what an Eagles fan. <laughs> I was just defending my boy because I've been a consistent Carson Wentz truther. I'm not backing off. He had an MVP season going for him. He tore his, his Achilles, not his Achilles, his, his ACL. He comes back the next year, and he sucks. So everybody's like, look, it was just a fluke. He's actually terrible. No, he actually had a fractured back the whole time. He's playing with <laughs> a pretty much broke back. So, yeah, he's pretty solid. So it, I've always had these attacks coming at me that Nick Foles is better, Nick Foles is better. No disrespect to Nick Foles. Brought a Super Bowl to Philly. No disrespect. But Carson Wentz is a much better quarterback. Um, yeah, and so I was ready to defend Carson Wentz there, and I may have misspoken. So. That's fair. That's fair. And I do also have to formally apologize. I said I was the man in the chair, but I'm apparently the man in the squeaky chair. <laughs> got a new microphone to use here today, and the mute button didn't work. I didn't know. We got it all lined out, though. Shouldn't happen anymore. I'm sorry yeah, about the be, it's, it's fine. It's the first episode. We're getting the kinks out. All is well. I've enjoyed myself, though. Have you guys? Yeah, this is fun. Perfect. Let's cool. do a lot more. Yeah, we'll be back. <laughs> Fantasy Formula will be back. Is that how it rings? That's how it's ended.